Knock, knock. Uh-oh. No knock-knock jokes tonight. I wish I had brought my pillow, and we'll get to that in just a moment, but now is a time of complete and total utter honesty. How many of you have at some point over this last week experienced true exhaustion and may have yawned? Raise your hands. Please be honest. Oh, come on. Come on. There we go. How many experienced that maybe today? Be honest. <laughs> How many are experiencing that right now? Raise your hand. Come on! I think I can do that too. I know we've sprung forward. We've sprung forward. We lost that hour and we want it back and we have a million different things that perhaps disrupt our, our sleep, our sense of rest, and all that that might mean to us to think what we got to do to get the job done in life. And I can relate to that as a pastor and as a teacher and as a parent. I know many of you have many different hats that you wear, and sometimes we want that pillow that Mrs. Freshour had, and I was going to pinch one of those nice, comfortable gliders in that room back there and drag it up here and preach from that for you all tonight, but then I realized, A, you would be jealous, rightly so, and B, I'd have to actually drag it up. And that seemed like greater effort than maybe doing this. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is not something prophetic to St. Patrick's Day either. The stool belongs in our school library, as Mrs. Shellhorn can attest to. But some statistics about sleep that you should be aware of. Here we go. Oh, yeah. Instead of me sounding clever and saying them aloud, they're right behind me. This is from the American Sleep Association. We, as Americans, don't get enough sleep. We, as Americans, don't get enough rest. And I think many of us can identify with this at some point. Perhaps out of stress. Perhaps out of, well, our diet. Perhaps out of Job, expectations, here's a few more. Some scary things where if we don't get the rest our body needs, things happen. And I could put more up. I don't do this necessarily to scare you or even myself, but we should take rest seriously, shouldn't we? We should. In fact, Here are some basic expectations for our own bodies of what we need just in terms of sleep. And what disappoints me is how come grown-ups don't get nap time? I'm very disappointed that didn't make it up there because I think sometimes even we, if we're over that age of 18, we need something too as well, maybe. But we should take rest seriously. And I think we have to ask ourselves as Christians, As people of the church, are we helping or are we hindering in that process? And I also say that because all of these readings that we just heard from tonight, along with what Mrs. Freshour gave at the very beginning about the commandment itself, rest and sleep given to God, what we call Sabbath, is very important. And I do want to assure you here at Trinity, I know that we've looked into this. In fact, both the school and the pastoral staff all got together in September, and we did a retreat to take rest seriously. Think of it as Rest 101. And we heard about things like sleep, but we heard about things like stillness. And we heard about things like solitude, and we heard about things like 
Sabbath, which may be the big word that we associate with rest, especially from our position of faith, of faith. So I won't preach from this stool tonight, as tempted as I might be. I'll probably fall over, and you would deservedly mock me, as you should. But wherever we may be in life, we we need to take rest seriously, not just for our bodies and not just for our own souls, but for those around us and all that that might mean for those we love, for those we care for, for those we might unexpectedly be in the presence of. Rest is important, and God strongly, strongly speaks about this. We hear about it in the first reading. We hear about it from Exodus Not the third commandment, take Sabbath day holy, and we can respond with our catechism, but even further in this passage from Exodus, which expands it, when Moses is hearing about God, about the tabernacle. The tabernacle itself is supposed to be a place of rest. And we hear strong language about those who don't take the Sabbath seriously. Now, I know we're beyond the ceremonial aspect of the law, but I think it's helpful that even as Christians today, we we have to look at this as a serious warning for us if we don't take rest seriously. Perhaps even if we don't trust in the Lord for even temporary bits of rest, perhaps it's a sign and a precursor of eternal death. I think it's serious. We might also look at this passage from Exodus and realize that God's people, centuries past, knew something about the individual and what we need that modern humanity has somehow lost, the interconnectivity between our physical well-being and our spiritual well-being. Now, let's move on here, because Jesus himself in the gospel speaks strongly about Sabbath and what it means for us today. In fact, Jesus, before he even talks about Sabbath, gives us the very essence of the gospel when he talks about the yoke and what it means. Now, some of you know that I live near Amish farm country, and I actually see yokes still being used in farm fields today. In fact, right about now, there might be draft horses still out in the fields And a yoke in ancient times typically looked, ironically, not unlike a rough-hewn cross, not unlike what we see back there, heavy and cumbersome. And the rabbis before Jesus saw it that way too and affirmed that the law itself was a yoke, cross-shaped. But did it give God's people the rest that was promised? No. No, that's why Jesus gives us the way the way of a yoke that is light, a way that is gentle, a way that liberates us from the sting of sin, to truly bear suffering more easily in this world and to find rest. But then we have this interruption with the Pharisees, and they come in, and they fault-find against Jesus' own disciples. They catch him out in one of those fields, plucking grain. Hmm. And then Jesus responds in those words many of us have heard many times, where Jesus himself places his own person in the position of the priests and the kings of old and says that the Son of Man is the Lord of Sabbath, that Jesus himself will come to know what true rest is, as he will when he rests after his work 
on Calvary, with a very different shape of cross, but nonetheless rests in his own work in the tomb yet to be opened. Then we hear from Hebrews. Hebrews. We hear about a promise of rest for God's people today. It reminds us that this promise can only be lost by our refusal of it. Almost as if, you know, the expectation that we're going to hit that snoozer button time after time after time and not get the rest that our body needs. We trust in other things. We trust in our work. We trust in our million distractions that pull us. We even take rest and turn it into something it's not. This is nothing new. How many of us have known somebody who's bragged about taking time off and did the roof? Sometimes we've got to do those things, and I understand that. Or we take time off of work, and instead of doing the thing that we should have done, gone on that trip or visited that person or just chilled, instead we occupy our stuff with busyness when we're called to be resting. Now, in this passage from Hebrews, the second verse that we heard from is very powerful. And to reread it, it goes, For good news came to us as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. Mrs. Freshour already spoke about listening. Luther says of this passage that faith, the word, and the heart, faith, word, heart, become one. Faith is the glue or the bond, Luther says. The word is on one side, the heart is on the other side, but through faith they become one spirit, just as man and wife become one flesh. Therefore, it is true that the heart is combined with the word through faith, and the word is combined with the heart through the same faith, or to say this more simply, as a people of faith, we need rest to listen to God's word. We need rest to listen to God's Word. Then again and again that passage we hear the writer of Hebrews say, enter that rest, enter that rest, enter that rest. The promise of a new life for God's people fulfilled in Christ Jesus who gives us eternal rest and peace of what is yet to come. We sometimes see those old signs R.I.P., but that's not to be morbid. That's our faith. Peace. Rest eternal in the arms of God. Mm. And then, of course, Hebrews even gives us a foretaste of our own worship today, of hearing the Word and coming together in the sacraments as a sign of rest. I know sometimes coming to church, whether it's on a Wednesday night or on a Sunday morning, can sometimes stretch us, families or otherwise. But it is a time to listen, to be at peace, and to get a foretaste of that rest that Christ promises us. It's not always easy to get, but it's there for us. Now, I'm reminded lastly here of this night of of how we walk with this in the world today, how we walk with this in the world today. And I put up a picture, a much more comfortable-looking chair than a stool, of a good friend of mine from the great state of New York who I talk to every so often. She's a woman in ministry, and she has one of those very pronounced New York accents that I butcher. And she likes to talk about how much coffee she drinks, and she says, I need to drink more coffee to get the job done. And I talked to her about a year ago, asking how 
her ministry that she's involved with in a church is going along with her side job as a computer programmer. Talks a big game. And she lives in a fast-paced lifestyle. And she openly struggles with finding rest and sleep. And she shared with me, through all the haze and the clutter of her life, with all the different things that were pushing and pulling her and her family that she was suffering deeply from insomnia, which I think many of us know a little bit about, and that she'd wake up at 1 o'clock in the morning and couldn't go back to bed. And she'd feel anxious, and she'd try to do this, and she'd try to do that, and felt like, well, then 5 o'clock rolls around, and she needs to get ready, and starts the day all over again through seven cups of coffee and a fast commute in, and lots of facts and lots of details and things that push and pull herself with the things that she needs to get done. Then the last time I talked to her, I asked her, so how is this insomnia business working for you? And she said, you know, I discovered something. When I get that at 1 o'clock in the morning and feel like I can't go back to bed, I might sit in a chair like the one you see behind me or in a glider or I walk gently. Maybe I pick up the Bible or another devotional book or I simply pray and I'm not trying to obsess about worrying about what I need to do tomorrow and I simply, as many different psalms remind us, rest in the arms of the Lord and thinking whether it's a chair, whatever image comes to your mind, even a yoke, to be at peace and rest by listening, listening to God's Word. Not just on Wednesday night, not just on Sunday, but every day, making that time of rest. We're glad you're here tonight for this opportunity to find rest in Word, coming to Scripture, in the sacrament as a gift, a salutary gift that gives us life and wholeness. And I can't think of something more important that our world needs today is that sense of rest that we get in worshiping a God who gives life.